Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. We are in the dead zone right now for NFL news. OTAs are done, so we're not getting any on-field work to discuss. Basically, anything we're hearing over the next couple of weeks is likely to be negative, unfortunately. And on that note, we have a couple injury updates to talk about off the top. Then after that, I'm going to run through some of the key training camp battles that I think fantasy owners need to pay attention to. Before we get to all that, though, make sure you're subscribed to the show on whatever podcast platform you're using. And if you already have, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. Let's start with those news items, and like I said, they aren't good. The Bengals were hoping that they could improve their offensive line this year. They used their first-round pick on left tackle Jonah Williams. Now he's likely out for the season with a torn labrum. That line is going to be a mess this year. I mean, Cordy Glenn is going to be able to to slide back to that left tackle spot. He was going to move to left guard with Williams taking over at left tackle. So Glenn will slide back to left tackle, but... The rest of that line is not great. And even Glenn himself has had a ton of injury problems in the past. It seems strange, but only a couple years ago, the Bengals had such a good offensive line. They let that go away. And now it's a problem for the offense. I think we're going to have to take a look at some of the players on that offense and worry. I think more in the passing game, Dalton needs time in order to produce. He's not a great quarterback. He needs the pieces around him. If that line's not giving him time, He's not going to be as comfortable making throws downfield. It's going to be a problem. Joe Mixon, I'm not too worried about. I think we saw his breakout last year. I think he's good enough to overcome it, but the Bengals offense starting to look like one that maybe we're not as excited about, even though they have some really talented skill position players there. A couple weeks ago, we had some very negative reports about Sony Michelle that he had a knee scope earlier this offseason. He missed OTAs because of it. Fantasy owners started to look at rookie Damian Harris a little bit more at that point. Now we're getting at least a little bit of positive news about Michelle. He's reportedly progressing quickly. Mike Giardi, NFL Network, saying that Michelle was running full tilt recently. So hopefully he's going to be able to get back on the field for training camp. If Michelle is healthy, he is the running back to own there. The concern about him, though, is just going to be injuries in college, missed some time last season, then has the knee scope. Is he going to be able to stay healthy over a full season? The red flags are there. I've dropped him down to more of an RB2. He's around the, the 20 to 25 range in my rankings now. If he's healthy and on the field, though, we know that he has RB1 upside, especially with the touchdown opportunities in that offense. We know he scored six touchdowns over three playoff games last year. Ravens tight end Hayden Hurst, questionable for training camp with a hamstring injury. It's bad news for a guy who missed time last year as a rookie due to injury as well and really put him behind and allowed Mark Andrews to capture that job. I'm worried about Hurst now. I was still kind of interested in him. He has the draft capital over Andrews for as good as Andrews was down the stretch last year. Hurst could still have gotten a role in that offense. Now he's a complete stay away. Leave him on your waiver wire. I'm worried about his career in general now. Even looking at in Dynasty, when you talk about a tight end going in the first round, you're normally pretty excited about that. Not so much at this point. Another guy that needs to prove to us he can stay healthy before we can trust him at all. Now let's talk about some of these position battles heading into training camp here. Training camp's three weeks away. I believe the Broncos are the first team to report on July 17th because they're in the Hall of Fame game this season. So why don't we start 
with a Broncos training camp battle. And it's going to be between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman at running back. So to recap the whole situation here, last year, Freeman gets drafted in the third round. Lindsay is an undrafted free agent, but sometimes draft capital doesn't mean everything. Lindsay overtook Freeman, stole that job completely, had a huge fantasy season, went on to be the RB13 last year, but he missed week 17. He suffered a wrist injury in week 16, had a six-month recovery timeline after surgery, and we're past that now. But we've heard from new head coach Vic Fangio. He seems very confident that Lindsay's going to be back for training camp. They said they just want to give him as much time as possible to get healthy. We've heard from the offensive coaches, the coordinator just talking about how Lindsay's still going to be a big part of that offense. So I don't think this is a situation where Freeman is going to totally usurp Lindsay, but I wrote about Freeman in my recent article on running backs who are going to exceed expectations in 2019, and I think Freeman has a pretty good chance to do that. Now, he's still available very late in drafts. You're looking at getting him in like the eighth round at this point. And one of the things that's happened for him because of this injury is Lindsay's missed the entire offseason. It's allowed Freeman to impress this new coaching staff and by all accounts, he actually has been able to do that. The new system in Denver is also a better fit for Freeman, who's more of a one-cut runner. This system that they're bringing in is more of that Kyle Shanahan-type offense, and we know those running games can be very productive. So I don't think this is a situation where Lindsey is going to be completely cast aside. I think he's still the back that I want to own for fantasy in Denver, but after finishing as almost an RB1 last year, I think we're going to see Lindsay fall back a little bit, maybe that low-end RB2 range this season with Freeman taking on a little more work. And the first thing that I would like to see for Freeman is give him all the touches that Devontae Booker got last year. Why on earth were they giving Devontae Booker work? That is just silly. So let's see if Freeman can get that work, maybe take a little bit away from Lindsay and crack the top 30. I think that's possible for Freeman this year, even if Lindsay is around that low-end RB2 range. It's interesting to note, though, that Lindsay only played on more than 50% of his snaps in seven of the 15 games he appeared in last year. So he can still get it done. His efficiency was off the charts. He doesn't need a workhorse load in order to produce for fantasy. So hopefully we can see both backs produce. Lindsay could still be very efficient. Remember, with a wrist injury, he's going to be able to keep his cardio up. That's not going to be an issue. He can hit the ground running as soon as he's back. Hopefully, he's back for the start of training camp. Another running back that I talked about in that running backs that are going to exceed expectations article was Jordan Howard. And the Philly running back position is very interesting. We're going to get a camp battle here between Howard and Miles Sanders, the rookie. Now, Howard is being underrated, and I completely get why. We all got excited about Sanders getting drafted in the second round, just because this offense is so loaded that a starting running back here in Philly could put up big numbers. But reports now are suggesting that Sanders is falling behind because he had a hamstring injury, kept him out of OTAs, tough for a rookie. We just talked about Hayden Hurst and how he missed time last year and was really never able to make it up. Could be a situation like that here. Running back's a little bit easier in order to make up ground, but, and beat writer Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com, he said it's premature to pencil in Sanders as the lead back. Head coach Doug Peterson also kind of threw a little bit of cold water on Sanders, just saying the team's going to work him in slowly and see how he can help them on game days. 
That leaves Howard in a great spot. And we know Howard can produce for fantasy. He's been a top 20 back in all formats each of the last three years in Chicago. Had 25 touchdowns during that time as well. In Philly, we saw Jay Ajayi get off to a good start last year before he got hurt. He was a top 15 back, sort of a similar back to Howard as well. And Ajayi was only playing 43% of the team's snaps during that time. And he was very limited as a receiver as well. So Howard can play that role, especially behind a better offensive line, which Philly has. They have one of the league's best offensive lines. And even if Howard ends up splitting touches eventually, which I think is likely, we saw him produce in Chicago in a similar situation with Tariq Cohen getting a ton of work in that backfield. So Howard isn't a running back that I think is going to win you your league, but it's possible he could flirt with low-end RB2 numbers just because that touchdown upside, early down carries, and Sanders potentially maybe only playing more of a receiving role early on, unless, of course, Sanders can come roaring back in training camp in the preseason. But I think if he's a little bit behind at this point, we're probably going to see them ease him in early in the year. They traded for Jordan Howard for a reason. He's going to be involved here and maybe more involved than people initially thought. The 49ers also have a backfield that we're going to have to try to decipher here. Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breda, each of them capable of handling the load there of being a fantasy star, but who is going to get the opportunity to do it? Well, it's kind of becoming a little more clear at the moment just because McKinnon's still working his way back from that ACL tear, and Matt Breda's dealing with a torn pack, so it looks like it's Tevin Coleman's job to lose here, which was my expectation all along, since Shanahan has a serious player crush on Coleman, dating back to their days in Atlanta. Health's going to dictate a lot, though, but if everyone is eventually good to go, Coleman is probably still going to see the biggest portion of what I think is going to be a two-back committee, likely. So McKinnon and Breda are going to battle it out for that second running back job there. There's even been reports that the loser of that battle could even end up as a game day inactive during the season. So could be even more on the line here than we think. With the quality of Shanahan's running game, though, we could see two backs be fantasy viable in this offense. Saw Devonta Freeman and Coleman do that with the Falcons. I'm not really interested in McKinnon here, especially coming off that injury. I'd rather bet on Coleman and Breda, who you can get very, very late in drafts at this point. It's going to be one of the most closely watched competitions in August, I'm sure. For the Buccaneers, they also have their number one running back job completely wide open. Pretty much going to come down to Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. And anyone who listens to the pod knows I'm not a fan of Jones. The change in coaching staff could help him for sure. The fact that the team didn't invest very much in their backfield in the offseason does too. But Barber is the more reliable player even though he doesn't have elite upside. He, he's the better back, though, at this point between him and Jones. And I tossed this quote in an article earlier in the offseason, but listen to what Bruce Arians had to say about Barber. He said this in back in March in the Tampa Bay Times. Quote, I love him. When you watch him on tape, you don't see his 230 pounds. You would think he's a 205-pound running back because he's got great feet. Not every back's going to be a home run hitter, but if he gets those 10 to 15 yard runs, breaking tackles, power runner, punishing runner, that's kind of how I like to start. When we're building something, that's the kind I like to build around, end quote. Arians has been known for hyperbole in the past, but until we see Jones do something positive on an NFL field, I'm not interested in owning him, especially with his ADP now on the rise. People seem to think Jones is going to win that job. 
just take Barber three or four rounds later. Last I saw, Barber was going in the 12th round. One of the few running backs that has a chance in that range to win the starting job on his team outright. He doesn't need an injury. He could just straight up beat out Ronald Jones for the job. So he's someone that I'm more than willing to invest in in those later rounds. Let's switch over to receiver here. Some of the big receiver battles that we're going to have to pay attention to. The Steelers number two job is up for grabs. And I talked about this one last week when the reports were out there that Dante Moncrief might be in the lead for this job. So I'll spare you another rant, but make sure you're paying attention to this one for sure, because it's going to be a productive role for fantasy purposes. Moncrief has my vote. If you want to hear more on it, you can go back and listen to last week's episode. The Packers also have their number two job up for grabs. Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. People forget, at the start of last year, through four games, Allison was the wide receiver 27 in fantasy, had stat lines of 5 for 69 and 1, 6 for 64, 2 for 76 and 1, and 6 for 80. He was 20th among wide receivers in air yards over that span. The new offense with Matt LaFleur coming over from the Titans and taking over as the head coach, it should help him. It should be a more modern approach than what they had under Mike McCarthy. I think that's going to help the passing game as a whole. I still like Marcus Valdez-Scantling. I hope MVS can improve just to help that offense as a whole. I think we could see some big days from him, but I think Allison is going to be the more consistent receiver there behind Devontae Adams, who is still my number one receiver for the year. The Chiefs have their number three receiver spot open, and this is a weird one, right? I spoke about this in the Fantasy Pros podcast this week. Just an awful situation with Tyree Kill. And we have to analyze it. We don't want to. It sucks having to switch over and give fantasy advice on a situation like that. But that is the job. Hill was meeting with the league on Wednesday. That's when I'm recording this. I doubt any news is going to come out right away. So I don't think there's going to be anything to react to for a little while here. But we have to think a suspension is coming. What the length of that's going to be is anybody's guess. But six to eight games would be my prediction if I had to make one. Sammy Watkins falls into the de facto number one job while Hill's out. That leads to Marcus Robinson, uh, Miko Hardman, and even Byron Pringle to battle it out. And we'll talk more about Pringle in a second, but Robinson's kind of intriguing. He just hasn't really done much with the opportunities he's had in the past. So a player that I'm willing to invest in, but someone that needs to show us something. We haven't seen it from him yet. Hardman's a rookie and a raw one at that. Really too soon in my mind to guarantee he's going to be in the starting lineup. He might be the most talented of this trio I'm talking about right now, but a little too early for us to just assume he's going to crack that starting lineup. And I'm grabbing a couple shares of Byron Pringle, who I mentioned. I'm looking to get him in Dynasty and best ball right now. He's a second-year receiver, flashed a little bit last preseason, then he got hurt, but he impressed again in OTAs this year. And You have to look at him as a long shot. He's definitely a long shot, but in deep leagues, he's worth a deep bench spot if you got one available. How about the Saints number two wide receiver? This one is really tough to break down. It's possible we could even see tight end Jared Cook step up into sort of a hybrid number two role, kind of like how Eric Ebron did with the Colts last year. Traquan Smith has the talent to be the player here and to actually become a pretty good fantasy player. But he's basically a younger version of Ted Ginn, and they're really speedsters who are kind of inconsistent. Part of that is their skill set, 
Part of that is this offense, and Drew Brees is going to pass it to whoever's open, which is normally Michael Thomas, but he's going to find the open man, and outside of that number one receiver, he's really spreading the ball around normally. There's other guys there like Cam Meredith and Kirkwood, Richard Matthews, Emmanuel Butler, a little Jordan Humphrey. They can all be left on the waiver wire until we know more about this situation. But keep an eye because in this Saints offense, someone else could step up. It's no guarantee that it's going to be Smith or Ginn in that slot. Everyone's excited about the Cardinals offense this year, so it makes sense to get some shares of some of the rookie receivers on that team. And I know it sounds funny, but the fact that Akeem Butler is roommates with Kyler Murray, it does mean something. Whether that results in enough chemistry that the coaching staff's going to give him a little more playing time, that's a whole other story. But this one's going to go deep into camp. I'm still betting on Butler emerging on the outside across from Christian Kirk with Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. But Cliff Kingsbury loves Andy Isabella. And there's been some speculation that Keyshawn Johnson could shock everyone and secure the job there. Either way, I think we're going to see a lot of all of these receivers because the team is going to play a ton of four wide receiver sets. Now, there's a few receiving cores that are almost wide open completely top to bottom for how they're going to fall into place in 2019. Let's start with the Dolphins. Devontae Parker's doing his usual routine of making highlight-worthy plays in practice and getting the beat writers really excited but I think you should be very skeptical about his chances of actually making good on that wide receiver one talent that he has. We haven't seen him do it yet. Kenny Stills is going to be pretty intriguing this year if he gets the full-time slot job, which seems like it's going to happen. Albert Wilson's still working his way back from injury, so, so Stills in the slot has potential to become something. Preston Williams is a UDFA with immense upside. Another very raw prospect, though interesting, but needs to develop before the team is actually going to trust him with consistent snaps. Could be a surprise star down the road, a name to keep in mind. Jakeem Grant is also there, and he's flashed with some big plays. Might be able to capitalize if Wilson is slow to get back in the lineup as well. It's not ideal investing in the Dolphins passing game overall, but if you're looking for diamonds in the rough, keep an eye on Stills and Williams. Maybe Parker as well, just a little bit, but I am not recommending taking Parker this year. But if you want to grab a share of him somewhere, I won't give you a hard time for it. One of those guys could hit this season. The Bills are pretty much in the same boat with their receiver core. Really an uncertain depth chart here. Robert Foster and Zay Jones had their moments last season. Neither established himself as a must-start player in real life, let alone fantasy. They also went out and got John Brown, who is incredibly underrated in my opinion, as someone who I think is going to surprise people. A breakout could be coming here. They just need to give him enough targets, but that's the problem in Buffalo. Will the team throw more? Will Josh Allen take a step forward as a passer? I think the answer is yes on both those fronts. I'm willing to stash Brown and Foster, but it's another passing game that it might just be wise to avoid unless you're very desperate. And speaking of offenses that you should probably just avoid unless you're really desperate, the Redskins. I mean, do yourself a favor and just stay away from that receiver group there, no matter how it shakes out. Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn, it appears he's locked down the slot. Uh, Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon, the two rookies, are there as well. This one is just completely wide open, and I'm not so sure that any of them are going to be worth starting at any point in fantasy this season. 
And part of that is because we're going to have to pay attention to see who's starting at quarterback in this offense. Haskins could win the job. And if he does, there's upside maybe if he gets that job. But it's hard to envision this offense taking a major leap in 2019. And that also really goes for their backfield. Geis has the talent. There's no doubt about that. My concern is his injury. My concern is the fact they brought Adrian Peterson back, a guy who does not want to sit on the bench. He's made that clear in the past. So sort of an odd move, unless they're just going to hold Peterson into the preseason to make sure that Geis is healthy and then maybe cut Peterson at that point. It didn't work out with the Saints. I know Peterson had a ton of issues when Kamara passed him on the depth chart. So Peterson's there. You have Chris Thompson back healthy. He's going to play on the passing downs. Where does that leave Geis? The the talent is there. If he was a workhorse back, Geis would be in my top 20. But coming off that injury and with the complications he had, he had the infections, he had to have three more surgeries because of that, set back his timeline. They bring back Peterson. Overall, it's just a situation that I'm going to want to avoid this season. And like I said, the entire Washington offense is probably best to just be on your stay away list. That's all for today's show. If you haven't already, go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It's updated daily with new content, has everything you need to dominate your league. And make sure you subscribe to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app. That guarantees you're going to get my content right to your mobile device all year long. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to the Roxwells, as always, for providing the music for today's show. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.